that we pray for people. I'm so glad that since, I mean, for years now, we've been putting the names of people on little post-it notes around this room in all of our areas of worship, and we just say, God, these are all people that we care about and that you care about and do whatever it takes, even if God takes somebody to prison to find two people that can have just the right message that will awaken someone's heart. Think about the faithfulness of a mom and an incredible church family that prayed. And I just want to say thank you to you because this is why we serve, this is why we give, this is why we do everything that we do so that we can be uh, a place where people can come and find a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what's happened to you, what messes you made in your life, you can come here and be part of the family. Todd is on his way uh, to Bible school. He's, being, uh, he's getting trained so that he can share his story and God can use his life. Isn't that incredible? And we've seen that happen by uh, the hundreds and hundreds. Over 1,300 people have been baptized like Todd since we began. So this is a church filled with changed lives. And Todd went from just surviving, barely surviving, uh, to thriving. That's what I've been talking with you about the last few weeks, taking you through the book of Nehemiah, where there's a story of a city that had no wall, the gates were burned down, the people were in distress, they were living in reproach, they were... Um, broke. They were just broken down. And then God did something through a leader and through uh, the humbling of hearts when people said, we have strayed from your word, God. And they decided to humble themselves under God's hand. And then God provided a miracle for these people. And in 52 days, a wall that was broken down for 140 years was restored. And so I want to take you to two passages of scripture and pick up this story, Nehemiah chapter 6, and I want you to go to the book of Malachi chapter 3, if you'll put your thumb in the book of Malachi. Because you have these two people, Nehemiah and you have Malachi, who were in the city at the same time. One is writing his narrative of history, and another is writing his message of God to the exact same people. It's going to be really exciting. Will you turn there and let me read to you Uh, Two passages of scripture from two people inspired by the Holy Spirit talking about the same group of people. This is going to be fun. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15, the incredible part of the story. So the wall was finished in 52 days and it happened when all of our enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things. The nations had been oppressing the people ripping them off, coming in freely, stealing from them anytime they wanted. And when they saw these things, they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this was work, this work was done by our God. Even the enemies of God's people said, this ha- there has to be a God. It was that dramatic. Now, to the same people, Malachi writes something, and he speaks to their heart. Let me just take you there, and we'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I'm the Lord, I do not change, therefore you're not consumed or you're not destroyed, sons of Jacob, that from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? You've robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with the cursed, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open 
for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. This whole story is a metaphor of what God wants to build in your life and my life today. He wants you to thrive financially. He wants there to be a wall of margin. He wants you to live with that margin so that you can live on mission for him. And this is one of the most important messages in this entire series because I believe it contains the key, the true key for how to walk into the blessing of God and how you can thrive and be, go beyond just surviving and move into a great future with him. Let me just pray for you. I want you to receive this today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this powerful message that you've placed in my heart. And I just pray that you will speak to your people today and help us to understand what your word is saying so we don't hold anything back. Speak to us and we'll do what you say in Jesus' name, amen. I'm calling this message today, The Choice is Yours. It was an incredible thing that happened. The people knew that God had showed up and intervened. I mean, 52 days before, nobody would have imagined that a wall could have been built. I mean, can you imagine? They're standing around saying, think about where we were 52 days before. We were so broke. We were so stuck. We were, we were uh, disgusted. We were skeptical. When Nehemiah came and said, this is what God can do, I don't think any of us believed it. And there was oppression, and there was... Uh, mockery and uh, people told us that you'll never be successful and there was attacks uh, but here we are today after 140 years of living in complete destitution here we are today and there's a wall around the city and even the enemies of God were, were, were stunned and so there was a great day of celebration and they pulled all the people together in the square, in a, in a common square in the city, and they began to celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God, what he had done. And Nehemiah invited Ezra, the, the, the man of God, to come and start reading the word of the Lord. And when he began to read the word of the Lord, the mood shifted. If you read Nehemiah chapter 7 and 8, as you get into this story, what happens is, is the people, the mood shifts, the party's over when they start reading the word of the Lord. And the people are, are, are suddenly convicted because they realize as the word of God is being read on this great day of celebration, they realize, oh no, we are living so far from what the word of God has spoken. We, we're, we're not keeping God's commandments. And so the people were sad and they were convicted. In fact, look at verse, uh, verse 9 of chapter 8. All the people wept when they heard the word of the Lord. And so Nehemiah said, listen, don't cry. Don't weep. Quiet your hearts. Listen, God has been merciful to you. He knew you didn't know. You, you have been living uh, in a hand-me-down uh, pattern from your forefathers, but if you will just quiet your hearts, today is a day for celebration. Remember what God has done for you, and let's celebrate anyway his mercy. So the people celebrated but the leaders got together, and they began to study the word. They said, all right, we're the leaders. We're responsible. What does the word of God actually have to say about our situation? And a few weeks later, they called it not a celebration now, but a solemn assembly. And all the people came together in the same square, and Ezra began to read the book of the law again. And people stood for hours as the book of the law was read, and their hearts got soft, and they started to confess their sin to God. And they said, oh, God, please Please have mercy on us. We're sorry. And what was even better is they started to make promises again. They started to return to the Lord. 
And God began to change uh, their hearts, and they made promises. They, they said, Lord, we won't neglect your house anymore. In fact, it says in verse 1035, we made ordinances. What's an ordinance? Well, it's just an ordinary, normal rule that normal people keep. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground, the first fruits of our trees, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of the Lord. We will not neglect the house of the Lord like we've been doing. And they made all these promises. And God began to bless his people from that day forward, and they began to thrive. In fact, it was so good that Nehemiah sensed, my, my job has completed. The thing that God has called me to do is done. And so he wrapped up his affairs, and he went back to serve as the cupbearer, the, the administrator, the prime minister to the king of Persia. He left the city in good hands, and the people prospered. About 13 years later, he returned to see how the city was faring. And boy, was he shocked. He was so disappointed. He, he, he could not believe that the people of God had returned and were now living almost exactly like how they were doing. I mean, they had some prosperity, but they had forgotten the Lord. And he was horrified, and he was, he was uh, fearful at what he discovered. God blessed us so much. God built a wall back into our lives. God provided and then we forgot, and we drifted away. And what is going on? I mean, there wasn't even worship services happening in the temple because the priests and the Levites had to go out and get other jobs and find uh, other employment because there were no tithes and offerings coming into the house of the Lord. And even a guy who was an opposer of Nehemiah had moved into the now vacant, one of the vacant rooms in the temple, and he had set up like living quarters, like he converted it to, to living space. Nehemiah was so angry. And I'll tell you, we already know this. He's a man of action. And the rest of the book of Nehemiah is so fascinating because it just shows this action-oriented, committed man saying, I'm going to make this right if it kills me. So he goes, and you read the story of how he throws that guy out of the temple, throws him into the street, throws all his stuff into the street. And he uh, pulls the hair out of this other guy. And he just is an action-oriented man's man that goes in and says, we are going to make this right. We will serve the Lord. Force doesn't always work. It may clean up the outside, but God has to do something about people's hearts. And so God raised up a man at the same time in the same city, and his name was Malachi. And Malachi began to speak to the people who were living in the city, and he started to call out this message, which he wrote down. It's the last book of the Old Testament. But he started talking about unfaithfulness. And he, it was a message. The whole book has this theme of returning to the Lord. Chapter 1, return to me in your faith. Have faith in me again. Chapter 2, return to me in your families. Your families are in disorder and divorce and it's crazy. Verse, uh, chapter 3, return to me in your finances. Chapter 4, just return to me with your whole life. Now, now, God spoke through this prophet to these people. He had some profound words to say to a people who had forgotten and were unfaithful. And I think that they speak directly to us living in this culture, living in this place, living right now. The funny thing is, though, when I read the scripture uh, of Nehemiah or, and then I read Malachi, I mean, <laughs> when I said the word tithes and offerings, come on, you have to admit, like, something inside of some of you were like, uh-oh, uh-oh, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, he's talking about tithes and offerings. I came on the wrong Sunday. And um, there's this little thing about maybe I should hold on to my wallet. Maybe some of you grabbed your purses. Others of you maybe left the building. I mean, I mean, you didn't really leave the building, but I know how it goes. I know when you like check out and go places in your mind, you know, like I'm, I'm not here anymore. But listen, if you'll just stay with me for just a minute and, 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 and you'll let me share with you and break down this passage, I think it's going to be really profound because in today's world, 
In, in today's economy, in the uncertain times where we live, I know that you are not only going to need human wisdom, you're going to need supernatural provision for you to be able to thrive. And so I want to teach you, as best as I know how, just relay God's word. So the first verse we read from Malachi is he pulls at the hearts of the people, tries to speak to their hearts. Because Nehemiah is doing the, the law, right? Mike Malachi says, listen, this is what God says. I do not change. Now, why did he say that? Well, because the people had shifted. They wanted to conform God to whatever their image was. But God's saying, look, I don't change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. It's important because a lot of people were doing back then what people do today. Well, this part of the law doesn't apply to me. Tithing's in the Old Testament. doesn't apply to me now that I live in the New Testament. And, and I just want to deal with that crazy logic because I hear it all the time and I just go, really? Listen, if something was wrong in the Old Testament, like thou shalt not lie or bear false witness, Oh, I'm under grace now, so I can lie. Or thou shalt not murder. But I'm under grace now, so that's okay. I can do it. It doesn't make any sense. If something was wrong in the old, it's still wrong. The, the, the law is the moral commandments of God. So if something's right in the new, it doesn't mean that it's wrong now. In fact, you find that Jesus affirms the tithe, and so does Paul, and so do so, so other books in the New Testament. It's just a consistent part of God's, of God's uh, moral law. But... Again, because it's about the heart, people are always looking for ways to disqualify. You know, I don't want this to apply to me. I don't want this to apply to me. So how can I find some reason to, 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 to give me justification to have a closed heart towards God? And, and Malachi wasn't going to let him do that. Malachi says, I, you need to open up your heart to the Lord. Let me explain to you what, what, what a heart thing I'm talking about. Jesus said, where your treasure is, right? There your heart will be also. So... I didn't care, I'm 42, I didn't care about Chicago at all up until about two years ago. For the first 40 years of my life, I didn't pray about it, I didn't think about Chicago, I didn't pray about the weather, if a storm was coming, I I just, you know, kind of ambivalent to Chicago, but then, two years ago, my son moved up there and went to college. And now, anytime the weather report comes in, I, I'm fascinated. I want to know what's coming his way. And, and, I, and when I hear a news report, or even if I hear the word Chicago, I, my heart just kind of jumps a little bit because now I have a treasure there, right? And so there's a piece of my heart that's there, and so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what happens. And so if you've not ever invested at all in the kingdom of God, I can perfectly understand why your heart is not there. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't hear the word of the Lord today. And so Malachi says... Uh, I'm the Lord, I don't change, and then he says this, lays out the problems that the people were having. Let me break them down for you. Uh, Three problems, plural. Yet from the days of your fathers, verse 7, you have gone away from my ordinances, you have not kept them. The first problem they had was a problem with rebellion, a rebellious heart. They rebelled. A rebellious heart is a heart that picks and chooses what I'm going to follow or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey some of God's law, but I'm not going to obey this part of God's law. They're picking and choosing, and so they had turned away from the normal, ordinary, common laws that normal people uh, followed. And Nehemiah, or, or Malachi says, you've been doing this from the very beginning, like from the days of your fathers, you've just been saying things like, well, I know what the law says, but that doesn't apply to me, right? I know what God's word says, but... 
I do it I pretty much. I mean, I'm 90%. I follow most of it, but I, I can't do all of it. I don't do this part right here. And God says, you know what that is? That's a rebellious heart. That's a heart that says, I'll decide which of God's laws I'm going to follow. And so I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just relaying what those people were hearing from Malachi. And it was, you got a rebellious heart because you're picking and choosing what you're going to follow. And this is what's creating all of the drama in your lives. When you pick and choose... I'm telling you, it creates drama. And for some of you, you didn't know any better. That's just the way it says from the days of our fathers, we've just been acting this way. Well, some of your behavior just happened because that's just the example that you saw. You never saw how God's economy operates in your home. But you got to think about the example that you're laying down for your children and what's going forward from you. (laughs) I share this in the first service. If your boyfriend is staying over and your kid is watching and he's sleeping over, and, uh, you know, he just stays the night and stays over there. I mean, that child is going to pick up some of that what's okay. He's just going to pick up some moral values from that. It's setting an example. You party all weekend and, well, then on Sunday, you know, drag him to church, you know, late or just drag in with, like, you know, the kids just watch every little thing that we do. They watch how you treat somebody to their face nice and kind, and as soon as they go away, then you start talking to them about that. You know, they, they see when the caller ID rings and you say, Tell them I'm not here. Tell them I'm not here. So if your kids grow up and they lie to you, they, well, they learn that from you, right? So, so, so kids are watching our example. And, and this is what he was saying. I know you've received a bad example, so, so I understand this. And so that's why he says, return to me. If you return to me now, if you just come to me now, it doesn't matter what the past is. It doesn't matter how long you've been away. It doesn't matter what your forefathers is. Return to me now, and I will return to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible about God? That's something to shout about right there. If you need to wake me up, I need to wake you up this morning. But listen, if God, if God will just accept you right where you are today, I don't care how many times you did it, how wrong it was, how many, how many mistakes you made, how many times you tried to come back and fail, if you'll return to me today, I'll receive you. Draw near to me, and I will take a step, and I'll draw near to you. That's an incredible promise. They had a problem with rebellion. They also had a second problem. It's in verse 8. Jesus, or excuse me, God answers this question when they say, well, okay, so we've strayed. We've, we've departed from you. What do we do to come back? And then God answers them with a question. Well, okay, let's just get this straight. Will a man rob God? You've robbed me. And that's the second problem that they had. They were They were robbing God. They were in rebellion, but they were robbing from him. And I make a real distinction here. God didn't say you're a thief. He says you're a robber. There's a big difference between a thief and a robber. You know what it is? A thief will sneak in when no one's looking, doesn't want to be found out, and will just take quickly and then leave. And you don't even know that it's gone or he was even there until later. Like someone came up in our offices during a service a few weeks ago and just kind of cleaned out about four rooms. Didn't even know. So I hope it was good, you know. But, um, but that's what a thief will do. A thief will come in and just, you know, sneak. But a robber is different. A robber will come to your face. A robber will say, I'm taking this. Hand it over. Maybe with a gun. Maybe with a mask. Maybe he doesn't want his identity to know, but he doesn't care that you know that you're being robbed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so God uses the word specifically, you're robbing me. You know why he's saying that? It's not hidden from me. It's in front of my face. I know what you're doing. That's what he's saying. You're, take, you're, you're boldly just not bringing to me. You know, anytime you keep something from somebody that's, that's not yours, it's, it's robbery. That's what he was saying. And so how are we robbing you? And God says this. Now, this is God 
saying this before I showed up to read this scripture to you today. You hear me? I'm just the messenger. All right? Am I reading the Bible to you today? Is that what you're supposed to hear in church? Pastor reading the Bible? Okay, that's all I'm doing. How are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. They were rebelling. They were robbing. And here's the third problem now that they had. They had repercussions. Easy for you to remember. They had rebellious hearts. They were robbing God. Now there were repercussions. There's consequences. God says, you're robbing me, and now you're cursed with the curse because you robbed me, the whole nation. They rebelled, robbed, repercussions. And now... God's been merciful to you, but you can't get ahead. I mean, the progress stopped. The nation started to slide backwards. You know what's crazy? Isn't this how it true it is that, you know, if we will uh, start disobeying God or if we, 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 we rebel against God or if we start robbing God, I mean, you can get a raise, you can get uh, more hours, you can work a second job, you can be getting more, but it just seems to be going out as fast. I mean, you just never get ahead. It's still paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. You know what the curse is? The curse is living a life where there's never enough. It's never enough. No matter how much comes in, it's just never enough. And the crazy thing, God was still good to those people. And the crazy thing is, is in spite of their rebellion and their robbery, God was still merciful to them. And he is still good to you. I mean, some of you, you know, I don't tithe. I never have. And you're still living paycheck to paycheck. You're still not thriving, just surviving. But you know what? God's been good to you. God's done some good things in your life anyway, in spite of, 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 of our sporadic nature, in spite of just saying no or saying it doesn't apply. God still is good to you. But do you really want to live at that level? And so he's saying, you know, return to me. And here was the prescription. How do you deal with the repercussions? Uh, point number two. Are you following my structure here today? All right, so number two, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I'm just going to break this down. This is how you deal with the repercussions. Return to me, and let's make it right. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring, first word, not give. Distinction. Bring, not give. Because you can't give something that's, that's not yours. I mean, it, you, just, you bring back. You, you're returning to God what already belongs to him. Bring the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. The tithe is holy. I used to teach people what the tithe is. I don't anymore. I think everybody in this whole country knows what a tithe is. I know, people don't go to church know that tithe is 10%. What people don't know is it's the first 10%. What makes it holy? It's the, the first 10% is the holy part. It's the part that God says, that first part of your increase, the part that I gave you, that belongs to me. It's mine. And the whole idea is to honor me with this. Again, it's not legalistic. God's saying, I want your heart. I want to know that you know that I have blessed you with everything that you have. It all belongs to me. It all came from me. It's mine. So you bring back to me the first part, and I will bless the rest. God calls it the redemptive portion. Bring that first part to me. Notice he says, bring all. So how much do I bring? All. The whole tithe. All of it. 10%. Do I want to pay on the gross there or the net? Which should I? Does your Bible say... All? What's your Bible say? Okay, enough said. All. Bring the whole tithe to the Lord. And then he says, bring it to the storehouse. Well, what's the storehouse? It's, 
It's the house of God. And, and there are people who will say today, even argue this, like, just get me out of this requirement. They'll say, well, there's no storehouses today. That was back in the day when there was grain. And what you do is you collected grain and you stored it in the house. And we don't do that today. We have money. There's no such thing as the storehouse. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So just in case we're not clear about what God was saying, really, what his intent was, let's just go back and look at that text. Bring, the whole, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, listen, that there may be food in where? My house. Say that with me. My house. That means not your house. <laughs> my house. That means that bring it, bring it to my house. What's my house? Everybody, my house is the place where you and your family say, this is the house of God for us. This is where we meet God. This is where we receive our spiritual food. This is where lives are being changed. This is the place where the mission of God is occurring, where people's lives are being helped and healed. This is the house of the Lord. It's the house of God. Bring it so that there may be food in my house. And then he says, a great promise if you'll do this. If you will do this, he says, try me, test me, prove me and see if I won't uh, respond to you when you bring your what's right, I will respond to you. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing there won't be room enough to receive it. So, so see if God won't do something supernatural. See if God won't provide and show himself strong in your life. So the choice really is yours. I mean, you get to decide. You get to say, try me and see to God. God, I want to see you show up in my life. He says, test me. See if I won't do it. Now, I'm 42. I got my first job when I was 17 years old. And I have been working a consistent job, gainfully employed, every year since I was 17. That's 25 years. And there has not been a Sunday in 25 years that I have not returned to God and brought to him his tithe. Do you know that the Bible brings up tithing 39 different times in the scripture? It's not just one time. It's all the way through. I mean, in the very first pages of the scripture, Abel brought, notice the specificity of the words. Look it up. Abel brought the first fruits to the Lord. Cain, on the other hand, brought in the course of time, when he got around to it, an offering. God received one, didn't receive the other, because Abel understood the concept here of bringing the first to the Lord. Abraham, long before there was ever the law, long before Malachi, thousands of years before, brought the tithe to the Lord. Levi brought a tithe. Jacob brought a tithe. Hezekiah brought a tithe. David brought a tithe. They all brought their tithe to the Lord. And I brought my tithe to the Lord. I've been doing that for 25 years, and the way God has blessed my life the way he's provided, the way he's taken care of me. Anybody want to just check out and look at the blessing of God on my family? I'm in awe of what God has done. And don't hate me for saying that. Don't be jealous of me, all right? This is just, I'm just telling you, this is what God has done for me. And what he's done for me, I'm telling you, he can do for you. And we have long since left the legalism of the tithe. That's the whole thing about it. When you get the heart, it's not about legalism. The tithe is a starting point. Bring the tithes and offerings. We left tithing and have gone into the sphere of offerings. And the more we give to God, the more he pours out on us. I wish I could explain this to you in a simple way. Let me try to illustrate as simply as I can. 
what I'm talking about today and how simple it is. Look at this. I got 10 dimes here, all right? One, one dime. I'm bringing it to the Lord. This is the Lord's portion right here. One. And these are 10. These are mine. I get to keep these. God's blessed me with them, all right? One out of 10, simple principle. I've got, what else? I've got 10 raisins here. God has blessed me with 10 raisins. So one of God's raisins, this is, the, this is his, and the other nine, the other nine belong to me. I can enjoy them. I got, let's see, I got 10 pistachios here. <laughs> now before you go cracking them open and start eating them all and consuming them all or trading them for something else, spending them all, God says, just, just bring me the first, bring me one, and I get to enjoy all other nine pistachios. I got some grapes here. <laughs> God says, just bring me that first one, the nice, big, juicy one, not the little, little you know, lame one that, you know, you saved to the last, you know. Bring me the first, just one, and I get to enjoy I get to enjoy the other night. Are you getting the principle here? One, I bring to God. What else has God blessed me with? What else could he possibly bless me with here? Look at this. God's blessed me with some strawberries. <laughs> and they're beautiful. They're amazing. Look at this. One, just one. One, one I bring to the Lord. And uh, the rest I get to enjoy. Belongs to me. What else has he blessed me with here? God has blessed me. It looks like some pears. Look at this. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they amazing? So I'm just going to take this one because it's the first one, and I'm going to bring it to the Lord. This is God's portion, and this is what he's given me to manage and to bless and to share and to enjoy. Look at this. All the other nine. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? Are you following me? Is this, is this getting through uh, how, how simple this is? What else has God blessed me with here? Come on. Uh, is he blessing me? Is God going to show up anytime soon? <laughs> All right. He's never early, but he's never late. All right. God's right on time. I have one uh, that I bring to the Lord, and it's, it's this amazing apple. And, of course, you get the principle that God is just pouring out all of his uh, blessing upon me, more than I even have room to receive. God's also blessing me. It looks like some... Some oranges. God's blessing me with some amazing looking oranges. I just bring one. One to him. That's all he's asking me for. To bring and return to him the first. And God has given me all of this to enjoy. God looks like he's blessing me with something else. I think he is. God's uh, busy uh, praying. He's handling. um... (laughs) Is the Lord coming? Yes, he is. (laughs) All right, Todd. Look at this. The Lord has brought me some bananas. All he's asking for is just one. And the rest I can enjoy. Now, here, here, here's the point here. Okay? God not only promises to pour it out. Oh, wait. He's going <laughs> to... I can't even stop. He's bringing me some more. I got some grapefruits here. I got a grapefruit. And I bring to him one. And let's see if we can make this all fit. And see if there's room enough even to receive it. Let's see. 
No, 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 because you haven't got it yet. You think you've got it, but you haven't got it yet because I still got more to tell you. You think you got it, but um, Bible says this, that he says, I will rebuke the devourer because some people don't do this. Some people don't even bring to God uh, just the one. They, they hold on to all of it, but then what happens is that the devourer that God promises is there will come and start to eat it out from underneath of you. So, so now you're just trying to hold on to it, but the enemy's coming and he's, he's eating it away. And it's, Have you ever had the experience of stuff just breaking and like for no reason and stuff just going, you know, you're trying to get ahead, but there's there's all these unexpected stuff that just keeps showing up. I, if you're not tithing, I would, I would do this. I would add all that unexpected stuff up and see if it doesn't come to 10%. Because the tithe is the Lord's. But God says in verse 11, he says, if you will bring to me my tithe, I will pour out the windows of heaven upon you and you won't even have room enough to receive it. He goes on to say that I will make sure that there is fruit on the vine. Look at this. And that he will continue to pour out that the vine will never stop providing. So he's given me some honeydews here. That's it. And he keeps blessing me. And, and uh, well, it'll just have to do because there's not enough room on the table. I'm making you this simple little point to say you cannot outgive God. You cannot, you cannot, you will never. The Bible says, put me to the test. God says, put me to the test, try me, and see if I won't pour out the windows of heaven. I'm telling you, you don't have money problems. You just have management problems. Because God has blessed you and he's provided for you and he will rebuke the devourer. He'll ensure that there'll always be fruit in the vine. And in verse 12, he says, and you will be blessed among the nations. You'll be a delightful land. You'll be a delight because God wants to use you not only to bring to him his tithe, but you'll have offerings and abundance to bless other people. Now, this is what thriving looks like. This is just a simple picture of how God wants you to thrive and how he wants you to prosper and how he is the God of more than enough. And if you'll bring to him what belongs to him, he'll bless you and cause you to thrive beyond your wildest dreams. You receive this today? All right, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the simplicity. I learned this when I was six years old and I thank you for the example of my mom and dad and the simple thing you taught me and how my life has just been so blessed. God, this is what I want for the people in this room today. There's no gimmick here, Lord. I just want them to experience your, your provision and your prosperity and your blessing. I pray, Lord, that as they return to you, they'll, they'll experience this awesome miracle of you rebuking them devour and you pouring out on them in such a way that they won't have room to receive Lord, it's not just about the individual. Make us as a church as we continue to give out. Lord, cause us to thrive and to prosper. Help us to live with such incredible margin that we can live on mission for you. Because that's the goal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the glory of God the Father. I love you guys. See you guys next time. God bless you.